Welcome to We Are Meaningful, a podcast where we transform the anonymous experiences of black and brown talent into powerful audio narratives. Each month, we center the dialogue around a common theme, providing you, our listeners, with the tools and resources you need to help navigate, grow, and thrive in corporate spaces. Our stories, experiences, and our voices are meaningful. We are meaningful. Hi, everyone. This is Crystal. And this is Krista. And today we're joined by one of my faves, Tiffany Williams. An entrepreneur for 17 plus years, Tiffany is a business strategist and personal development consultant, taking a holistic approach to helping to build brands and the professionals behind them. Her work focuses on work-life blending. I like that instead of balance, time management, and business development for overworked, overwhelmed entrepreneurs. In addition to being a mom of four, a plant mama of eight, a music lover with two left feet, and a plant-based foodie, Tiffany is the hostess with the mostest of the Life Unscripted podcast and recently penned two new books as a self-published author. Oh my goodness, Tiffany, you have been up to a whole lot. Oh, Welcome thank show, you, friends. Girl. I'm so glad to be here. I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we're so excited to have this conversation with you because we're going to be talking about our narrative for this month, Stunted. And as someone who's been an entrepreneur for 17 plus years, we're sure you have some experience from when you were in corporate spaces. But I think you also have a unique lens of how um, folks who are entrepreneurs can also be feeling stunted. So I'm really excited to hear more about uh, what your thoughts are. So let's go ahead and roll the narrative. Hey, girl. Nothing. I just... I don't know. I just wanted to call to you and talk about my day. I mean, it's just foolishness, as per usual. Yeah, yeah, it's work. I talked with my manager, again, about what growth looks like. I mean, taking a course, opportunity for advancement, something. And it's just, it's just the same old BS. It's coming. We'll get to it. Focus on mastering your current role. We'll see what happens in the next year. I've been mastered my role. And you think after so many years of giving them gold, like improving the team and offering innovative solutions, pioneering our org's direction, they'd want to not even reward, but honor the commitment and the work that I've given them. And every time we go into a performance conversation, I, I have no idea what I'm being measured against. So no one is tracking my successes because we don't even get goals at the beginning of the year. I don't know my benchmarks, my objectives. So how are you gonna give me a performance review when we didn't set the bar prior to me performing? I know, I I know, I know. But it's just interesting, listen to this. Two weeks ago, that same guy that I helped train years back got promoted. Like remember, I onboarded him into a role below me and now I'll be reporting to him 
in a like dotted line kind of way. But that's what really gets me. Like you trust me to train others, but continue to ask me to master my role before we can talk about growth. And I've thought about my goals. I've shared them broadly. I've done my research, gotten additional credentials and certifications outside of that team. I've even drafted career roadmaps. I'm like, all I need is a thumbs up. Help me get there. But at this point, I really just think they're lazy. They don't want to grow me. So it feels like I'm working towards nothing. Like I want to be inspired and driven and curious. And it's hard for me to do that when I can't see what I'm working towards or even talk about it in a real way. Like I don't even have that space. So I'm stuck and it's frustrating because I want to be better for myself but the people around me don't want that for me. Like, how can you grow in a space that either doesn't believe in you or doesn't want to nurture you? I'm in cement. Like, I need soil and light and water and purpose. So, Tiffany, after hearing the narrative, what were your initial thoughts and reactions? So several thoughts, of course, come to mind when you hear something like this. Um, and we can take it from so many different angles. Um, for one, um, obviously, this screams like this screams that there is a lack of diversity, equity, inclusion, um, uh programming and uh, a sense of valuing those things within this particular organization. Um, but even if I were to play the devil's advocate and maybe just maybe um, there's some validity to um, the reasons why they may have passed our girl over for these positions, which obviously I don't buy it. Um, but if there was some validity to that, so many places um, I can look and see where this company has dropped the ball. Um, the the management failed her because if she's been around so long and she's not performing the way they feel like she needs to um, in order to earn the right to advance, then where were the training opportunities and, you know, those reviews that she needed and things like that to just help her along the way? So first of all, any great leader is constantly looking at ways that they can um, develop the people that they are leading. You know, we're wanting to help people to leave us better than when they came, you know, came through the door to us. And so um, in that regard, there was lack of training if there was if this, there's any validity to the reason why they passed her over. Um, but let's take it from another lens and let's look at it as um, literally this was just unfair and they were making some very biased decisions um, in the selection process for um, these positions they were recruiting for. And she was clearly passed over. And um, in that regard, and you know, it's obvious to me that there is, again, like I said, there's no value in um, in in 
diversity and equity and inclusion. And so with that being said, the corporation as a whole has work to do because obviously there's a lack of sensitivity there. And um, and there's a lot of work, not just in this particular uh, narrative, but we know as we have all been witnesses to conversations that have been very public, even on platforms like LinkedIn, you know, as a matter of fact, that this is something that is going on everywhere. It's not just in this in, in this made up narrative. And so for that, um, there is something that we all have room to work on. Um, and literally, um, I won't go too far in it. We'll continue with this, what we're doing here. But I mean, I see this every day. Um, I've experienced it in corporate America and I have experienced it literally like as of today, like as of today, you know, even as an entrepreneur. So it's definitely something that's in that's infectious um, in our country. And that's just really not acceptable. I love that um, you bring up this point about the manager, which really goes back to the last part of the narrative when she's saying that she needs water and light in order for her to be able to grow. So saying that in the narrative is kind of synonymous with what you were saying about um, the leader giving her the opportunity for growth and advancement through any sort of training stretch opportunities, giving appropriate feedback or giving feedback appropriately um, and being very transparent and authentic and truthful uh, with that feedback to give her the opportunity to grow if that is actually the issue that she needs to grow in some areas. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but then, you know, we can spin this a whole nother way. So we've taken it from the lens of, you know, if there is any truth to this, then there are some things that it should have happened. Um, we've taken it from the lens of, I really don't buy it, you know, and that, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's a whole nother thing going on that people don't want to own up to, but definitely is clearly just screaming at us of what it really is. But going up all those lines, I can also take this from um, the standpoint of being a friend. You know, if this was my friend and this happened to her, um, I am a huge advocate and a proponent for um, for entrepreneurship. And just even if you're in, you know, corporate spaces and if you're working in these corporate spaces, if you're working at, a, at, an, at, at some other organization, totally fine. My thing is being somewhere where you are celebrated and you are appreciated and not just being tolerated. So if this was my friend and she was coming to me with this same thing, you know, over and over again, dealing with this company she's working for and investing her her years in, um, I would be all for, listen, we're going to take your talents to South Beach. Like we're not, you know, I understand that there are people who feel like they are going to fight the good fight and they're going to stay there and clean up some messes and they're going to make statements and they're going to, you know, turn things around and all that. I don't have the energy for that. I honestly don't. I'm not, you know, um, I'm, you know, at some point, especially being um, a woman of color, a black woman, uh, we tired. I'm gonna say I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of fussing. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of trying to push my way into somewhere where you don't want me to be. And so in my mind, especially because I have been a small business owner for over 17 years, I, the way that we think as a small business owner is we're all about building our own tables. If you do not want me at your table, 
I don't care. Like whatever you serving over there probably ain't ain't seasoned up good anyway. I don't even care. You probably ain't even making your greens with all Bland. the stuff I put in my greens. So <laughs> well, ain't nothing like having your own table. You know, you know, and it goes back to things we've heard as a child, you know, mama may have Mom, uh, daddy may have, but God bless the child that's got his own. And so in this regard, as a friend, mm-hmm. we're talking about, sis, what is it that you bring to the table that, you know, instead of somebody even asking what you bring to the table, bring the whole table to the table. And so we're going to build your own. So what is it that you have to offer this, you know, to the world that we can um we can help elevate you so that then you have the opportunity to create those spaces that you did not have uh, made available to you when you were in corporate corporate spaces. So, you know, I'm all about um, empowerment and I'm thinking, okay, what is it that you do and where can we take this? You know, whether it be on your own or elsewhere, that's, that's, I'm tired of, you know, that's just me. I'm just tired of fighting. And that's for, that's for um, career. That's for uh, relationships. That's for friendships, like wing force and nothing. Like, in fact, you know, the last time you and I talked on the show, Crystal, I had a whole bunch of hair, <laughs> Whole bunch you of did. hair. I had a whole head. You did. And now, guys, y'all can't see me, but just know sis is bald headed, okay? Like I ain't got nothing on my head. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> and that was because I woke up literally on daylight si- savings time day, whatever, if that's the, you know, whatever, back in March of this year. And I was like, this hair, like it's so much and it takes up so much. And yes, I love it, but I kept it for vanity purposes. And I got to this mm-hmm. point. Uh, I came to this point, this that particular day in March. And I said, why? Like, why are you forcing yourself to give up half your Sunday every Sunday to wash, deep condition, detangle, moisturize, put on a mask, do all this stuff to this hair? pressing in it combing it and blood why like for what because you want people to keep telling you that your hair is so pretty like it's a vanity thing no and so I made a decision that not only was I going to stop forcing things and inconveniencing myself for my hair I said if I can do it for my hair then everything's about to go folk about to go situation's about to go we're not pushing we're not forcing anything (laughs) so that's where I'm at right now yeah and I think it, it makes a lot of sense. And I love the the parallel that you're making. You know, when you and I got on the phone, we were talking about how this year has brought a lot of change yeah. for us and the way that we see vanity. And I think vanity doesn't only apply to like your physical attributes. I think vanity can also apply to your circumstance and your position. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Like, why do I have this role? Why am I at this company? Why do I have this job? And I'll admit for a long time for me, it was about vanity. I love this perspective that you're taking Tiffany around. Like, um, if I was the person in the narrative, if, if I was, you know, the friend, if I was looking in on it, but as a professional consultant, what do you think some of the gaps are that you're hearing about the organization in this experience? It's 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 apparent, again, that with this organization, there is a leadership issue and, you know, the any organization is only as good as its head. And so if we can't get some leadership things taken care of, first of all, being obviously the DI work, DEI work that's necessary that we obviously see is missing here um, there right there. There's some work to be done um, again when we're talking about, you know, the things that Crystal brought up as far as being and we're just given the benefit of the doubt if 
this wasn't a DEI situation, um, then there is room for looking at how are how's the management not giving this young lady opportunities to even improve. If you feel like she's not valuable and she's not contributing the way you want her to contribute, why do you even still have her there? And you know, and so what are you? How are how are you even investing in your people in your human capital? And so we have issues even just with the management. How, what are you doing? What are you showing up to do each day? And so with that being said, I would literally start right there in those two spots with DEI and management's education and just with with helping them understand that if we have human capital, if we have people that are depending on us to sharpen us, to prepare us for the next level, and if you are dropping the ball, I'm not so sure you're completely capable and competent of executing what we what we're expecting you to do as a leader. That's not a functional leader. Um, you might do some things well, but obviously there's room for improvement. So again, I would stop at those two things, and I feel like there's a lot of work that can be done uh, immensely just there. Yeah, I think you just spoke a whole word uh, when it comes to leadership being capable. I think there are so many people who. And I'm not even going to call them leaders at this point. I'm going to call them managers. (laughs) So there are so many people who are managing others, managing people, managing talent who are in those roles because they were a subject matter expert in whatever their field is. Then they were just thrown into management because they were the expert in whatever their field is, basket weaving, whatever it is. And then they're just expected to just know, oh, I need to do all these things to develop people. So I think there are two different gaps. It's this person didn't have the skills in the first place. You promoted them because they were good at something. And then two, the organization doesn't give the person the tools that they need to even consider what is the steps that what are the steps that I need to take to develop and really lead my team rather than just managing them. And I think that really takes us into the next question, which is about growth, because an organization can step up and say, well, growth and development at this organization looks like X. However, we know that black and brown women specifically experience the workplace differently. So can you tell us a little bit more about how growth looks different? for black and brown women? Literally, so I want to just say this. (laughs) This is a really tough conversation to have. Like, literally, I'm holding back tears. Like, like my eyes are... um, it, It is beyond frustrating that this even has to be a conversation. Uh, When you talk about opportunities for black and brown women and what how that looks different first of all it's not even a it's it's not even a thing it's expected for growth to occur for opportunities to be presented when you are uh, in another box when you can check another box um it's not even a question uh, when you are we we as women of color, a we're women, so that that makes us secondary in the workplace. 
then you are a woman of color. And then that makes you secondary. That makes you less than in the workplace. And um, our, so when it comes to opportunities, first of all, opportunities, the only reason why, I won't say the only reason why, it's probably not fair to say. But to me, in the wake of all that's happened this year, we suddenly see all these opportunities being created. I feel we're being used as pawns to make a corporation look like they are ramping up their DEI efforts. And all of a sudden we see people of color that are now the director of DEI. Um, they're director of this and they're, they're doing that and not to shortchange them. And they're, they're the, and, and the fact that they deserve to have those roles, but they weren't mm -hmm. even, would never have been considered for those roles if companies weren't trying to save their tails and cover their tails in the wake of the fact that everyone's watching you now and wanting to know what you're going to do, what your next move is going to be. Um, but when it comes to hat, and that's just for that particular role. But in, in addition to that, when we are, we're not even considered for an op for opportunities most of the time because our capability, our uh, our capacity to do it is is typically in question. Um, if you have someone else, you line them up next to us without even knowing their credentials, they're going to be considered for the opportunity first. Black women in particular, not just women of color, black women are high are one. Of, they're like the highest group of educated women in the workplace. We are the the fastest growing group demographic of entrepreneurs in America, and we're still questioned and not given opportunities freely. Um, a lot of times, and I'm just going to say as an example, we talk about uh, given the opportunity um, being considered for opportunities. For an example, I don't care. I can roll out the whole entire buffet and say I'm all that and a bag of chips and have the social proof to back it up. They are, I mean, literally, I'm not even going to, there's a, like literally today, like a company would then still question, um, well, we see that you can do all this. We see that you do do all this. We see that you have done all this. You've exhibited, you've demonstrated your ability to do all this. And still with that, we want you to do it for free. And um, we want you to do it, and um, but we'll give you exposure. Now, literally, somebody I was work, we were in talks, and um, and they're they're pretty they're they're large, like they're a nationwide, like it's a, and literally they were like, oh, could you do X, Y, and Z, and lead a whole entire conference? Like, could you lead the whole? Could you do all of that? But we can't really pay you. But we can give you, um, we'll give you, we'll give you what, if I give too much away, then I would be, you all would know who, but we'll give you this thing. Like we'll, we'll, we'll do, we'll give you like a, whatever it is going to be. And so I said, so I ended up sharing with them. I said, but to stand before you for an hour cost you, I said, what's the value of this thing you're presenting to me? And they gave this number that's just like a few pennies. And I said, okay, to stand before you for an hour, it cost like, cause like not even, it's not even close. So I said, what you're offering isn't even, it's not even gonna, you know, and I'm not, you know, so then they say, well, let me talk, let us think about it and we'll come up with a proposal that's gonna be fair for the both of us. They come back today, I get something and they say, <laughs> they go back, they rescind the original offer. And they give me half 
of what the original offer was, wanting double the work for me to donate, all in the name of exposure. Girl, exposure don't pay the bills. You got four kids. They need to eat. I said, you're a nonprofit, not me. (laughs) (laughs) And you're not, nonprofit does not mean that you are broke. Nonprofit means just Mm -hmm. that. You cannot report a profit at the end of the year. So you have programming dollars. You don't want to give them to me. But you have money in your budget to pay for programming. And you want to give me this thing, not even at the full amount of what you would normally give, like what you even offered originally. You're going to give me half of the value of this thing. And you want me to do twice the work, all in the name of not cutting a check to me, but you want to give me exposure. I said, I've been doing this for 17 years and I do not need exposure. Like I get my own, like I, we're good. Like, no, and we're not. But I say all that to say, when you talk about opportunities, they would shortchange mm-hmm. you to your face and not even short, like literally like. And make it seem like it's a favor. Like it's a whole entire favor, Krista, like a whole entire mm-hmm. favor. Then I would suggest and I submit to you that you go and you get someone else to do that. There's no way. And so I know that if you and you already we've talked about this opportunity before and they already said that so and so who happens to not be able to check the same box that I'm checking on paperwork. Right. And so she's in another box and they said well so and so works with us all the time and these are all the things we do for so and so so as we go forward with a relationship with you we can probably do some of that stuff with you so when it comes down to it and putting it in writing you do like a fraction of what you already forgotten you told me that you do for so and so whose skin right. whose skin has not been kissed by the sun right. and, so, and I yeah. think and sorry, Tiffany. Go no, ahead. I'm good. That's all. No, I was going to say we actually talked about this. Um, we actually talked about this in another episode, right? It was about nepotism, but I think favoritism, right? This idea that it's like they keep close. Um, these networks of majority folks keep real close, keep real tight. And to your point, that's sometimes why we have to build our own table. And look, you've built your own table And you're bringing your table and they're like, no, thanks with your table. We have this table. And I think that's why it can be so frustrating because you've done all that work. You deserve all the opportunity. You have the experience. You have the qualifications. And still people are willing to come to your face, shortchange you and make it seem like a favor. And it's just insane. And I think that like the reason this perspective is so important, right? At the beginning, you were talking about like, oh, Well, this is a made up narrative. And the thing is, it's made up of all of these stories. Mm -hmm. So I I think like having your perspective is not only so powerful, but it validates everything that we heard in today's narrative. And I know that listeners are going to want to they're going to want to pour into you. They're going to want to give you so much love and so much support for everything that you're going through. Where can they find you? Where can they do that? Y'all, please pour. Like, pour, pour. Because after today, <laughs> sis needed to pour. Listen, yeah. I don't know what y'all pouring, but I know what I was ready to pour. Like, <laughs> <laughs> pour some of that for me. Listen, please. sis, we need to listen. It was like that today. Like, I was ready to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I needed something from south of the border, okay? <laughs> but um you guys can find me the easiest thing to do to find me oh i want to say this real quick 
So you can find me on Organized Energy. Dot co again organized energy dot co but I want you to to go to I have a special page there that I want you to go to that's organized energy dot co backslash high friends that's organized energy dot co that's not dot com and do backslash high friend and high friend I want to meet you guys and know what's going on with you I literally have a questionnaire up. And it's just like a few questions and it's like, um, what are your biggest challenges as it pertains to running your business and what is it and operating in the workplace? Because these are the kinds of topics that help me to build additional content for my podcast, which is a life unscripted podcast, um, because I love to have these conversations as well. And um, it's just something else to hear. And it's awesome to be able to provide support and also to receive it. Yes. And what I've loved about this conversation is that 2020 has really been trash. It has been total trash. However, what I have um, been grateful for is the fact that black and brown women, like you said earlier, we are tired. We are tired. And we are just like, listen, I got something to say and I'm just going to say it. Like, (laughs) I'm not going to hold back. It is what it is. I'm about to be real truthful and transparent and vulnerable with you about what I have been experiencing, how it's impacting me. And I think we're learning what organizations are really about that life. Like, who's going to actually do something different than what they've done in the past. Who's going to pull up? Mm-hmm. Pulling up. Absolutely. And and for me, I know we're wrapping up, but when you said that, it, it, it when you said we're just going to say, we're just going to speak the truth um, in so many words. Absolutely. For so long, we've, we've bit our tongues all in the name of remaining professional. But the thing that I noticed is that people are bolder than a Crayola crayon with you. Like, they don't mm-hmm. think twice. Like The audacity. And, and the thing is, in my mind, and probably in y'all's mind, probably not no more, but prior to all this, you know, we're like, how am I going to tactfully respond to this? Mm-hmm. How am I going to tactfully? Because I don't want to offend. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But the problem is, what I've sat back and watched is, I don't, I bet my bottom dollar that they are not worried about, is this going to offend her? How can I deliver no. this to her tactfully? I hope that this doesn't hurt her feelings. I hope she doesn't take this the wrong way. So in 2020, I have decided that I can't worry either. And it's not even a matter of trying to be tactful anymore. You're bold with your Crayola marker and I'm going to be bold with my Sharpie. And it's just like that. And that's just where I've been at with it. You know, I mean, that's we just, we just, all go, we just out here being bold. It's what we're doing. We bold. That's Let's all. do we're it. Be Let's bold. be bold. Be bold. And be bold. I'm going to, I'm going to have to work my way up to that. And I'll say I'll aspire to that in 2021. <laughs> Crystal, literally how many hours do I spend on crafting my responses and my emails. I'm so needy, Tiffany, with Crystal. I'll literally call her and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I got this email. She needs to start paying me. Help I me write it. They need to start paying me overtime <laughs> for how much I worry about these damn emails <laughs> and how long I spend trying to craft these, like you said, tactful responses. But you know what? No more. No. Evil. They're not getting, re- literally. Say what you got to say. We're not even, say it, sis. Some things don't even have a need a response, Krista. Literally, 
There are I'm some things that like that whole thing I described <laughs> to you all today. If I decide uh-huh. to respond, it, I'm not going to worry about being tactful. I'm never going to be nasty because that's just not my nature. But I'm not going to be right. concerned about being tactful. But the way that I received it today was like such an insult and slap in my face that I really thought this don't even deserve my response. And if I was a white man in America, a CEO of a large company, imagine he doesn't respond to everything. There are things that if you insult him, if you if the number ain't right, if the deal's not right, if the terms, if the conditions weren't right, he doesn't even respond. You're just not going to hear back from him. Serious business, not mm-hmm. even joking. So then why do I feel like everything is warranting warranted in response? So mm-hmm. we're not even going to worry about what to say because sometimes ain't nothing to say. And my silence is going to be speaking volumes. That's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Crickets. Oh, my God. For those of you who didn't know, because I only learned like maybe weeks ago, you don't have to respond. No, you don't. And I never even thought that was an option. I'm like, but this is so-and-so. <laughs> and they do so in this. I can't not respond. Don't respond. Don't respond. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the We Are Meaningful podcast. Follow us on Instagram at wearemeaningful.co and visit our website to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. We're excited to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Talk to you next week.